so good to see you. Happy Father's Day. And as Taylor said, we're in this four-week series on prayer. We're taking a look at prayer in June, and we're going to take a look at um, Scripture in July, and then we're going to move into simplicity in August, and then generosity in September. And th these are you know, what you can call these spiritual disciplines or practices that help us become all that Jesus intended us for, to, to become. It's, it, it's what Todd talked about a couple weeks ago. It's transformation. It's putting off the old and putting on the new. And it doesn't happen just because we think good thoughts. It happens because we're engaged in the, the practice or uh, the discipline. And uh, they're not laws. They're not rules. They're invitations, and prayer is one of those most intimate, most amazing um, gifts that God gives us for talking to him and developing an intimate uh, relationship with him. So I want to invite you, let's go to Luke chapter 11 today, and um, we're going to continue this thought that Taylor brought us to last week and talk about prayer in the context of Jesus' teaching. Luke chapter 11, and we'll start right here at verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So Jesus is going to teach his disciples how to pray. How, how, how do we do this? They, they saw his model. They were intrigued, maybe confused. They were impressed. And this is our prayer and our hope that during the month of June that Jesus will teach you and I how to pray. No matter where you're at in your relationship with this thing called prayer, that you would feel the invite from Jesus that we're going to learn. We're going to learn as his disciples, as his followers. So then Jesus goes on and he uh, in his teaching of the disciples, he gives what we now today call the Lord's Prayer. This could be called the Disciples' Prayer. Uh, but he said to them, verse 2, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Our Father... In heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. You are the other. And we can begin to like wrestle with this relationship with the Father that he's far away. And who am I to address him? How can I speak to him? Is there too big a gap between me and God? When I think about my life, am I worthy? Does he even listen to me? Does God listen to our prayers? Is he interested in my prayers? There are so many people on this planet. Who am I? And Jesus is going to teach his disciples. When, when I was young, I can remember, and I didn't know where the verse was found, but I looked it up, Psalm 66, verse 18. It says, if I have unconfessed sin in my heart, God will not hear me. And I can remember that verse just rumbling around in my head. Oh, my goodness, there's no way God's ever going to listen to me. And I, like, search my heart and think, you know, is there, is, there, is there something unconfessed in my life? And I always found 10 or 11 or 30 or 100. You know, it's like, so does that mean that God doesn't 
listen to me. So, I don't know. We can deal with shame. We can deal with guilt in our relationship with God. Prayer can get really complicated. And sometimes when we pray and we pray and then it seems like they just hit the ceiling, cynicism can set in. And I know a lot of people that have a desire for God actually are quite cynical about prayer. Like, really? Really? Does it, are we just talking to ourselves? Where is God involved in this? So does prayer make a difference? Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray, and at the same time, he's going to open up their minds to just the beautiful process of how this happens, and I hope that um, it'll, it'll make a difference for each of us this morning, too. So he goes on in Luke 11 and verse 5, and he tells a story. You know that when Jesus is teaching, he often tells a story because, you know, stories are really powerful. Verse 5, he says, Jesus said to them, suppose, and really what he's doing is he's telling us, I want you to imagine a situation where. Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, Lend me three loaves of bread because another friend of mine is on a journey. He's come to me, and I have no food to offer him. In this culture, that's, I mean, that, that's just terrible. In our culture at midnight, you're like, hey, tough luck, buddy. You know, I think there's a 7-Eleven down the street for some snacks or something. But here, this is a terrible, inhospitable situation. And then Jesus goes on in the story, and suppose, now imagine this scenario that the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door's already locked. All my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. In other words, forget it. Now, Jesus is telling this story because he knows in this culture the disciples are just going to laugh. They're going to be incredulous. Well, no, that's, that's the strangest situation. That would, that would never happen because hospitality and shame and honor in how you treat a guest is a huge obligation. Like, no, you, you help your friend. In fact, if he doesn't have bread and the guy's knocking on the door, it's going to wake up the village. And the whole village, in a sense, is obligated to, to wake up and help this neighbor with a meal for the guy on a journey. So Jesus has kind of got them poised they're going, well, no, you have to get up. In the story, he doesn't get up. And then there's the punchline in verse 8. I tell you, Jesus says, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your blank, because of your blank, and we're going to look at that word, he will surely get up, and what? He will give you as much as you need. So Jesus is telling a story, as he often does, to sort of shock his hearers and get them to perk up and pay attention. Because of your blank, you're going to get an answer. Now, it's that blank, I think, that is tricky. And I want to just sort of like dive into that and get us to think about it. So I looked at like as many translations of that word as I can and all you have a translation that are looking at your scriptures. Here, here are some of them, some weird words, because some of these translations are quite old. Because of your importunity. It's a good word, right? Because of your brashness. 
he'll get up. And we're talking about prayer. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. Because of your chutzpah. That's a good translation. This is the most common one. Because of your persistence. A lot of you are looking. That's your, because of your persistence. If you're persistent enough, you'll get an answer. Or your shameless persistence. Your shamelessness. Your impudence. Because you're not ashamed to keep on asking. Because you're bold. Here's how the message translates it. Because you stand your ground waking all the neighbors with your prayer. And the one I actually like the most that I'm focusing on this morning is in the NIV. Because of your shameless audacity, he's going to wake up. Even though he's grumpy and he's irritated that you're at his door. Your shameless audacity. So Jesus is teaching his disciples. He tells this story. And then here's kind of Jesus' like um, application that helps us know how to pray. And this is so familiar to you. Verse 9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, I believe what Jesus is trying to get us to, like, have a light turn on is, wait a minute. He's inviting me to ask and to seek and to knock, and he'll respond. Now, the traditional reading of this um, parable is typically a parable of comparison. But I want to suggest, and I am not wanting to be uh, arrogant in saying I think that the traditional understanding is wrong, but I think it is. Because I think it feeds into a narrative that we, especially here in the work hard U.S. of A., we quickly adopt. So sometimes Jesus told parables of comparison, and other times he told parables of contrast. And I want to argue that I believe this is a parable of contrast. The, the, the traditional reading of comparison, we're, we're comparing, um, you, you're, the, you're the guy who goes to your neighbor's house because you have a visitor and you're pounding on the door. That's you. That's you and me. And God is the guy asleep in the house with all his kids. And you just got to keep on pounding on that door. And if you're persistent enough, if you believe enough, if you have enough faith, if your prayers are passionate enough, if you have no unconfessed sin in your life, and friend, you're the one that'll get an answer to your prayer. And I don't think that's what Jesus is actually saying. I, I could be wrong, but just stay with me as we keep going through. It, the, the statement Jesus makes is in the present tense. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. 
he is, he is inviting and encouraging persistence. Persistence in prayer is all through the scriptures. Paul especially. Pray without ceasing. Let your requests be made known to God. Tell him everything in your life. So I don't believe that the reading of persistence in prayer is wrong. I just don't think it's Jesus' main point for us this morning in our journey in learning how to pray and what he's saying to us. The invitation, I believe, is to pray with shameless audacity. Not because of us and our persistence or our faith or the condition of our life. No, I believe we pray with reckless abandon, shameless audacity, crazy prayers, simple prayers, prayers that don't make any sense, prayers that are from a beginner's mouth with little faith, prayers of anger and sorrow and mourning, not because of us, but because of the generosity of our beautiful Heavenly Father. That is what Jesus wants us to grasp this morning. Just let it go. Let it out. Say it in whatever words come out. You don't have to get this right. You can be a beginner. As Taylor so beautifully helped us to understand last week, prayer is a relationship between us and the Heavenly Father. Jesus prayed regularly. And the more Jesus prayed, the more intimate his relationship with his Father. And the same is true for us. We don't know how to pray very well. The more we pray, the more we stumble forward in prayer, the more our relationship with our Father begins to build. And he teaches us in the midst of that struggle how to pray. Now, one of the issues that really is obvious, can we pray for whatever we want? and expect to get it. Well, sure, yeah. Pray for whatever you want and expect to get it. Now, let's be careful. Um, In 11 verse three, chapter 11 verse three, give us each day our daily bread. That's like a hint about simple basic necessities of life. It's not pray daily for your daily Porsche, you know, I mean, in, 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 the, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, you know, Jesus puts priority in life, you know, you want stuff to eat, you want, you want clothing, you want a good life, and Jesus says, you know, let's make sure we keep those things in the right order. Seek first God's kingdom, and then all these other things will be added to you. There, there's really, there's no limit. There's no limit on what God can bring into our lives, but James also, he says, you know, you, you have not because you ask not. So ask. And then he says, you ask and you don't get it because you're asking to feed your selfish motives. So Jesus is not saying ask whatever you want. And, you know, it's a little bit like a credit card or Apple Pay, you know. You, you just tap and you'll get it. It's not the way life works at all. You know that. One of the most amazing, shameless Audacious prayers is from Jesus in the garden. Imagine praying this. Father, I know I'm on this journey to the cross. And I'm just just asking you, Father, if there is any other 
way we can do this deal. Then I want it. I want out. And then he said, but not my will, but your will be done. And um, if you've ever prayed, you've really prayed, and uh, you, didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't get, you didn't get it. You didn't get the answer. Um, this, this, is, this is your hope. And, and this, is, this is our posture. God, if there is any way, I am shameless and audacious in begging and asking you. If there's any way, please bring healing. But ultimately, not my will, your will. Because you're, you're, the, you're the good heavenly father, and I'll, I'll trust you. So then, um, we'll bring this in for a landing because I want to um, I want to take some time to practice prayer as a as a church as a family, and it, w- it won't be hard. Well, it could be hard, but it won't be embarrassing. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or say out anything out loud. But he tells another story in verse 11. Which of you fathers, happy Father's Day, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or uh, if he asks for an egg, you'll give him a scorpion. And of course, again, the answer, well, no, 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 no good father would do that. They're going to give them the basics of life, the necessities of life, a fish and an egg, not a snake and a, and a spider, right? Now, I, I do have to pause for a moment and think about the fact that some of us fathers actually... Um, might do something like that because we think we're funny. I, I remember uh, uh, Cynthia and I and Connor, Connor, my son, when he was, you know, maybe five or six years old, we were at the, we were at the beach and we were having Chinese food. And, you know, a lot of times with Chinese food, you get the, the, um, the really spicy hot, must, you know, hot mustard. And I kind of like it. You know, I like really spicy stuff. Uh, but you, got, you have to be careful with it, right? And I looked at my son, Connor, and I thought, you know what? I think, Connor, you might, you might want to try this because I like it. You, you should try it. And Cynthia's going, are you kidding me? And I go, no, really, really, son, trust me. This will be, be cool. And so I, I, I give him a little bit of, well, yeah, a little bit. I give him a little bit of that mustard. And I'm telling you, he got that in his tongue. And then, of course, he had to do something with it. He had to swallow it. And, you know, it burns the inside of your nostrils. Like it's, you're on fire and you can't get rid of it. And he looked at me like, you are the worst dad. I will never, ever trust you again. I, did, I felt kind of badly, but it was so funny <laughs> to watch him. And this is on tape. So, Connor, I, I again, for the thousandth thousand time, I apologize. <laughs> But it was a good experience, and you learned from it. So, <laughs> so Jesus tells the story. Then he has a little little teaching. Then he tells another story about the the fish and the egg. And then he has this little little teaching, and he says this in verse thirteen: If you then, talking to all of us fathers, if you then, who are though you are evil. So there's your Father's Day um, word of encouragement. All of you fathers, including me, Connor would say, I knew it. I knew it. My dad is evil. 
Even though you are evil and you still know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit? Now, Matthew 7, the parallel, the other passage of the Lord's Prayer, it says, um, we'll give good gifts. Here, Luke puts in, he'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. This is a parable of Contrast, not comparison. How much more, Jesus says. This, this is the takeaway. How much more? Like you fathers, like I'm looking at Jake back there. You, you cannot describe how much love you have for your child. You would give your very life for your child. You love them more than yourself. And God says, oh man, that, that's almost evil love. Let me, let me contrast it with how much your heavenly father loves you and listens to you and is attentive and will not always give you what you want, but what he gives you is the right thing because he's a gracious loving, intelligent, heavenly father. So this is what Jesus says to us. Keep on asking. Don't stop. Don't stop. Keep on seeking. That's not an earthquake. That's just children. (laughs) And I love it. That is a holy, sacred sound. Okay, you with me? Keep on seeking. Don't... Don't stop searching for God. Keep on knocking. Just pound and pound. Now, here's the deal. Not because God is asleep. Not because God is grumpy. Not because he's angry or frustrated with you or like, come on, get it together. Or those puny prayers that you pray. No, 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 no. What Jesus wants us to learn in this journey, this process of prayer is that the grounding is the love of the Heavenly Father, and our response is to keep on plowing ahead. And if you have any doubt, the, the, the letter to the Hebrews, Hebrews, it says, you know what Jesus is doing? It says, Jesus right now is interceding for you by name. I don't know how to pray. That's right. Jesus is praying for you. And in Romans, Paul says, That when we don't know what to say, when we don't have words, when we're just stopped in our tracks, when there's there's no faith, when when there's doubt and there's fear, Paul says that the Holy Spirit is grumbling without words. They're just they're just groans. The Holy Spirit is groaning in prayer and support for you. So I want to I take a moment to practice this. I just want your mind to be expansive. You know, whenever you talk about um, praying to your heavenly father, and as Taylor said, Father's Day can bring up a, 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 a whole boatload of emotions and feelings. In fact, all of us get to prayer through our earthly fathers. We, we see our Heavenly Father 
in some filter through our experience with our earthly father. And that can be great. It can also be hard. It can be, it can be a, a, a mixed bag. So the first practice I want to do is I want to invite you just to think and meditate quietly. And here, here's the question. How does your relationship with your earthly father, or maybe it's your mother, or, or maybe it's, it's church hurt, a Christian leader, how, how, does, how does that relationship help or hinder your conversation with your heavenly father? And then after you've reflected on that, I want you to come back and just say, how might this teaching in Luke 11, the teaching of Jesus that he's teaching us today, how might that bring some fresh freedom into your prayer life? So, so take a moment of quiet. This is what is called in radio land, TV land, and our YouTube feed. This is called dead air. But it's not dead. Because I want to invite you to engage um, that question. Let's be quiet for a moment. Some of us have relationships with our Heavenly Father, I mean with our earthly Father, that have been just springboards to a beautiful relationship with God. And other times there are some barriers, there's roadblocks, there's issues that we, we have to work through. So this, this second, what I'd like you to do is, is um, take out your phone, um, because I'd like you to write out a prayer. And um, I find that if I write something and actually frame words around, it brings it to life. Now, you don't have to do it. I'm just inviting you. Take out your notes app and write um, or uh, send yourself an email. And this is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to write out, it could be very simple, write out a shameless, audacious prayer. And this, this is what I would describe as a shameless, audacious prayer. It pushes through any shame. Like, I can't pray this. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not worthy to. It's bold. It's confident. And it trusts in the Father's loving generosity and wisdom. So it can be outrageous. It can be entirely simple. It can be for healing. It can be for our family, our children. And I'd like to invite you to, um, to actually articulate 
in a, in a few words. It doesn't have to be um, ready to put on Instagram. It could just be your own private thoughts. What would be today your shameless, audacious prayer? I'm going to give you a, a couple examples while you're thinking. At one point, the tax collector just beat his breast and his shameless, audacious prayer was, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said today, this guy, this guy's going home justified. Jesus on the cross, his shameless, audacious prayer was, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And Paul in prison, he said, pray for me that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim clearly the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Chains did not stop Paul from being shameless and audacious. If you've read the Psalms very much, you've come across Psalms of lament. Psalm 42 says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? God is not afraid of our shameless, audacious lament. God, where are you? And in John 17, Jesus said, Holy Father, protect them, these disciples, by the power of your name, the name you gave me. And here's his audacity. So that they, believers, today, may be one as we are one. He was audacious enough to pray that followers of Jesus would experience unity with one another. And maybe your prayer is going to be for baby sailor, for Alex and Mandy. So, take some time. Write, write some words. If you do it in your head, it's okay. Send yourself an email. writing. I'm going to physical therapy for a torn rotator cuff that was repaired in surgery. And you know, when you go to physical therapy, uh, you're not really doing the work in therapy, right? Your therapist is checking your progress, checking your posture, making sure you're doing the work right. But then he or she sent you home. And that's when you do the work to repair the injury. And of course, a lot of patients, they never do the work and they never improve. It's the same with prayer. I want to encourage you to take your audacious prayer and when you leave here, just invite you, consider praying that prayer every day for the next week until we meet again here. Edit it, refine it, throw it out, make a new one. 
but it's, it's the work we do, the practice that can make all the difference. So we're going to pass the communion elements down the aisles and go ahead and take um, the bread. Um, and when I was thinking about communion and being shameless and audacious, it brought me to a passage in Hebrews. And I want to set this as the context for the body and the blood that's being passed. The bread represents the body of Jesus and the cup of grape juice represents his blood. It's symbolic. We're doing a symbolic ritual and practice with this. Listen to the scriptures. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us through Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, confidence to enter into the heavenlies where your Father is, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. The way into God's presence has been opened by the body and the blood of Jesus. So let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I'm going to invite you as the worship team leads us to partake. The bread is the body of Jesus, and the cup is the blood of Jesus, and it smashes open the new way for our shameless and audacious prayers. Amen. stand with me as we finish in a worship song.
us in that, God, that we are yours, fully yours, seen and known and loved just where we are. There is no place of a need for perfection that we must come to you with all of our ducks in a row, but that you meet us wherever we're at. It's the kindness and the goodness of who you are. So would you give us that boldness to come to your throne and ask those bold, shameless, audacious prayers, God, because we know that we are your son and daughter. It's out of that identity that we can come to you. So Lord, we love you. We love your presence. We're so grateful for you, Jesus. So grateful for all that you've done for us. We bless you and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Bye.